Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, hello. We're back with another episode of um, Let's Go There with Sharon Ryan. And, um, you know, I wanted to keep it very sexy and lighthearted today. So I kicked Shira out (laughs) and bought the sexy... The delicious oh. Dr. James oh Simmons my. at Ask the NP. Oh my goodness. And if you just wanted two queer black men today, <laughs> you got us. You got us. I'm loving all this intro, by the way, Ryan. Thank you. Can I just, I'm going to take you everywhere. I didn't even practice it. Literally. This just came to me. I mean, I'm going to walk into patient rooms. <laughs> And just, <laughs> I'm like, hold on, before I introduce, l- allow somebody else to introduce myself. Thank you. I will literally <laughs> ah. be, like in the Princess Diaries, then there, there's that person that blows the trumpet, uh-huh. and then like, it, someone's here. I don't know right. what that person's right. called. Right. You know, right. the announcer man in the in like monarchies. I don't know, whatever. Right, right. Um, but, you know, if I mean, you I also am a queen, so. Want, if there's any straight listeners out there that also want some like sexy white chocolate, I'll give it over to producer Justin Oh, as there well. we go. Huh. Thank you. He's married, though. He's married. So, um, sorry, ladies. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because my wife was just remarking that, you know, it's Valentine's Day and I'm hanging out with two gay gay black men. So, Uh (laughs) and you should be thankful for it. I don't see there to be any other way to do it. Right. Uh, That's how you're supposed to do it, I thought. uh, Hello. Especially with some Barry White. Barry White in the background. Well, seriously, I I really appreciate you, uh, Dr. James, for being here as usual. We love your voice on Channel Q. I particularly love the special moment. I get to have with you. Oh, just well, thank you very you. much. I mean, don't tell my husband about special moments. Oh no, he can join. Oh, oh, the more the merrier. That's anyway, after the show, <laughs> welcome to the show, Justin's everyone. Like, I'm out of here. We have a lot to get into. Here's what's happening on the show today in 2022. Um, with a lot of us still working remotely, should office romances continue to be taboo? Also, with Valentine's Day being tonight, Dr. James goes in depth on our hearts and our private areas. That is in the next hour. And, of course, another state is trying to force teachers to out their students to their parents. But will it have a chance at passing? We are going to be talking to a reporter in about 30 minutes. But, honey, are you ready to get into what's trending this hour? I am very, very excited to get into what's trending this hour. Woo, I just drank a venti blonde iced coffee, <laughs> and I think it just hit me like crack. So let's get into it. Whoopi Goldberg returns to The View after a two-week suspension, saying we're going to have, we're going to keep having the tough conversations. Here she is. 
Oh, just joking. Whoopi's coming in a second. Um, but I actually, I can't wait to watch this um, episode because I can't believe it's already been two weeks. Yes, it felt so fast. Yeah, it did. It really did. And on a, honestly, I hope a reporter did something to check about like the ratings and the numbers if they went down or if they went up since she was gone. Because mm-hmm. I think that's really important. But yep. here's the clip with Whoopi Goldberg. There's something kind of marvelous about being on a show like this yeah. because... We are the view, and this is what we do. And sometimes we don't do it as elegantly as we could. And sometimes, well, yeah, you know, (laughs) but it's five minutes to get in important information about topics. And that's what we try to do every day. And I I, want to thank everybody who reached out while I was away. And I'm telling you, people reached out from places that made me go, wait, wait, what? Really? (laughs) Honestly, I thought she was going to say, it was so wonderful being off that time. <laughs> She's like, I needed, these, I needed these two weeks off from these women on this panel. No, she really did say, we're we're going to keep having tough conversations. Yeah. And in part, because this is what we've been hired to do. It's not always pretty, it's as not. I said. And it's not always as other people would like to hear. But it is an honor to sit at this table and have these conversations. And I really do think, you know, one of the other things she did was really... Thank, you know, she was very grateful for all of the people who reached out to her, both, yeah. you know, uh, individuals at the Defamation Society and, and and personal and other celebrities and all these folks who reached out. And she really seems to have learned from this experience. We are glad she's back. No, most definitely. And honestly, I can't wait to watch the episode because um, I miss me some Whoopi. I love everyone, but I miss me some Whoopi. Um, coming up next hour, though, we're going to talk about Pete Buttigieg's beautiful little message to his husband on Valentine's Day. But right now, let's dive into the T-Report. Ooh. Dun, dun. Okay, so I was freaking out about the T report about this story last night because you know I am not, I'm originally from Nebraska, right? So I am a I, not- First of all, wow, Nebraska had no clue. Also, <laughs> are you the only black person in Nebraska? Right, right. Well, you know, I always like to tell people that, you know, the Nebraska Kansas border was the like Mason Dixon line. Okay. And so Harriet Nem dropped a whole bunch of us <laughs> off right above that line. So it's actually the gang of black folks Shout in Nebraska. Shout out to Black History Month. I know. There you go. You're learning something every day in February. So listen, my girl, Mickey Guyton. So she has uh, been a trailblazer on mm-hmm. stood on the backs of lots of other black women and black folks in country music. Yes, and now yes. she's sort of like reaping those rewards. And one of those rewards was the ability to be able to sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Which is huge, by the way. Ginormous. She's been having an incredible time in career. She, she really is. She's doing the thing right now. And... L.A. native Janae Aiko <laughs> also got to sing before her, but NBC, are we surprised, put the wrong name up. So when they put Janae Aiko's name in, they showed a picture of Mickey Guyton. <laughs> Which was hilarious because Mickey Guyton's face looks like, um, what the hell like, is this? What, what is going on? Because all <laughs> black women look alike, apparently. So, um, yeah, this was pretty, this was something else. And Twitter, of course, had an absolute field day with this because they were like, not all black folks look alike. They don't even sound alike. Like, Mickey Guyton's taller. Janae Aiko's tiny. Like, come on, NBC. You Which, did a lot of things was right. Was this the first I don't watch many Super Bowls, but was this the first time we had another singer sing, like, America the Beautiful? No, Does that we, happen all the time? We do that, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's They've disgusting. been doing that for, for a minute. What? All because it needs is the national anthem, right? They're trying to live up to Whitney Houston's national anthem, and nobody can. So they got to bring like four people in. And I this mean, year they also true. have uh, lift, every, lift every voice and sing. Yep. Oh, that you know. goes with the in race. And actually, we're going to talk all about um, the soup. Can I say that? You know, the, big so game. the big game. The big I, I'm game. I'm like, there's so many restrictions on this there whole are, thing. Right. We're going to talk about it and, you know, dive into our thoughts. Uh-huh. Um, but coming up next, though, we got to keep this party going. Thank you, James, for the T-Report. You did an amazing job. Thank you, thank you. Um,
Um, with a rising rift within the GOP, is Trump starting to show some weakness in his control of the Republicans? Guess what? That is coming up next and what's trending. Don't go anywhere. Donald Trump's latest political endorsement is causing some rifts within the Republican Party. Now, does that mean that his power within the party is weakening? We can only hope so. But joining us to break everything down is Michael Schur, the national political reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, so can you please break this whole drama down briefly between Donald Trump's endorsement in Michigan and the GOP party? Like, what's going on? And break it down to me like I'm in third grade. Sure. There's a number of endorsements that Trump has made in Michigan. A lot of these are for down-ballot races, uh, as, as low as state legislator races. And most of the endorsements he's making are because He's upset with how state Republicans handled his complaints about the 2020 election. He's convinced he actually won the state when the evidence says he did not. Uh, and one of the endorsements he's made is for an attorney general candidate, a lawyer from Kalamazoo named Matthew DiPerno, um, who many uh, in the state party are worried would not be electable in a general election. Uh, they're supporting a, a rather popular Republican uh, named Tom Leonard, former Speaker of the State House former senior party official for the job. Uh, DiPerno was involved in uh, a lawsuit against Antrim County. And if you remember back in the election, that was the county where uh, uh, initially on, on election night, a bunch of the ballots uh, were miscounted by electronic voting machines. It turned out it was a coding error that the formats of the ballots had been done wrong. Mm. And so even though the ballots were correct, where people were voting, there were paper copies. When they were run through the machine, the results were coming out wrong. The county election people corrected it very quickly. The proper count ended up going through. But in the interim, DiPerno uh, and some others did an audit of the voting machines with a court order and concluded that uh, there was an intentional effort to reprogram the machines to shift ballots, to shift votes to, to Biden. Subsequent investigations, including one by the Republican State Senate, concluded that was not correct. Um, but DiPerno st stuck by that, and Trump is uh, very grateful uh, to him um, for having stuck by that and has endorsed his campaign. So, you know, in April, Republicans from around the state will gather in Lansing at a state convention, and they will decide who their party's candidate for attorney general will be. And right now, we don't really know. It's about 2,000 Republicans are going to decide uh, who, who the candidate okay. is. And, uh, 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 you know, DiPerno wants it to be himself. Uh, Trump wants it to be DiPerno. And there are some signs that DiPerno is actually going to lose that contest. So so is this really signaling, because this is not, I think, the only place in the United States where this is actually happening. Is this sort of signaling right. that, you know, these candidates endorsed by Trump, but then other candidates who may be more moderate or maybe not, but are sort of being pushed by local Republican parties and factions. Is this signaling a weakening of this like stronghold that Trump has had over these down ballot candidates and their endorsements? So I think what it signals is that Trump's endorsement is not clearing the field all over the country. And there are a lot of examples of this statewide races in Alabama, Alaska, uh, North Carolina are some of the examples uh, uh, for Senate. Uh, there are a lot of down ballot races where this is the case. Um, Trump remains an enormous force in the party. 
very powerful. His endorsement is very influential. But other Republicans are willing to stand up to him by saying, no, I don't support that person. I want to support somebody else. Mm -hmm. And the reasons they're doing that is that they think, uh, you know, in the short term, Trump's candidates could be liabilities for Republicans in the general election, which by all accounts looks to be very positive for Republicans. It's going to be a good year, it looks like, for them. Yeah. Um, and, and so in that way, it's kind of returning the party back to where it was in 2015 when, first Trump, when Trump first arrived on the scene. And many Republican leaders sort of rolled their eyes at him, said this is not his party. He's not going to be able to take over this party. And we're returning to those sort of battle lines. We're also kind of returning to the battle lines of 2010, when the Tea Party first burst on the scene and there was this real anti-establishment movement coming uh, to the fore against the Republican Party leaders, they saw, saw them as not sufficiently conservative or devoted to the Constitution. You see a lot of those same themes playing out right now, at, like right. in the DiPerno race. Uh, and, and so we're kind of going back in time and, and the old Republican fights are coming back to the fore. OK, so and we're speaking with Michael Schur uh, from The Washington Post. and. I think as we wrap this up, I just want to know, do you do we think this new rift that is happening, is it going to be reflected in the polls? Like when voters are kind of thinking about it, what are voters saying? And you have about 30 seconds before we have to wrap up. Yeah. So the polls have shown that if you're a registered Republican, you support him. Now, the intensity of that support has fallen quite a bit over the last year. But Republican leaning independents have moved away from Trump in, in really dramatic ways. And the percentage of the Republican Party and Republican leaning independents who want Trump to be their nominee in, in 2024 is about 50. So only about half of Republican voters want Trump to be the nominee in 2024. And that's going to be a challenge for him. He's still the biggest dog on the playground. Um, but it, but it's not a sure bet anymore that, that he will be coronated going forward. Well, all right. Thank you so much for breaking all of this down. I feel like I learned a lot, right, James? Yeah, absolutely. My goodness. All right. That was Michael Schur, national political reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. Coming up, another state is trying to force teachers to out their students to their parents. But will it have a chance at passing? Don't go anywhere. That's up next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's right. You are listening to Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. And Shira is gone. Hi, Ryan. How are you? It's me. Welcome to my show. (laughs) Honestly, the takeover was beautiful. What? I mean, you know, we do what we can. We did want to let you know that Shira is out today, and I am filling in for Shira. I am Dr. James. I know you missed him. Uh, you know I, you know you miss me. Uh, here on a Valentine's Day, we have all kinds of amazing, wonderful things coming up in the show. But first, right now, we got to talk about some kind of intense, serious stuff going on. Arizona Republicans this week have actually gotten behind a measure that would discipline teachers and open them up to lawsuits. If they don't tell parents... Every single thing that a student tells them, including if that student confides that he or she is gay or transgender, and we want to talk about that, Hanny. So, joining us today to tell us more about this attack on queer and trans students is Jared McDonald-Evoy, a reporter at the Arizona Mirror. Jared, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. That we really appreciate you being here. Jared, can you can you just break down this legislation a little bit for us? Just sort of let us know, those folks who haven't read about it or heard about it, exactly what's going on with this. Yeah, it's uh, called House Bill 2161. It was introduced um, and heard in the House um, Education Committee out here in Arizona, uh, where it passed on a party-line vote by uh, Republicans, and it's um, the bill basically at its core, it's, it's considered a parental rights bill. And the idea behind it by the Republican lawmaker is that it would make it so parents um, get to know basically everything that happens, you know, within the school or, you know, in medical uh, settings as well. And what would happen is that anything that is told um, to a teacher by the student has to then be told um, by that parent or by that teacher to the students. Um, so if, uh, uh, and, and that includes anything that is going on mentally or physically with that student. And that would, um, and included in the language of the bill is anything that re- in regards to their, their sexual identity as well. So if wow. a, a student comes to a teacher and says, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think I might be gay or, uh, or having issues with my, you know, sexual identity, then that, that teacher then has to call the the parents and tell them that or face a $500 fine. And if they also don't, it also opens up the school district to a lawsuit. Wow. Thank you for breaking that down. It, it, this just feels, you know, obviously it's 
it's in the lineup of all the latest kind of attacks that we're seeing when it comes to either trans students or queer students. Um, I wonder, though, is this is this like shocking coming from Arizona? Is Arizona kind of working on other things or is this something new where they're just joining along with other Republican legislation that's, you know, doing these type of attacks? Well, Arizona, um, this bill actually kind of comes from uh, it, it was worked on by uh, the, the lawmaker admitted that he worked with a uh, a uh, anti LGBTQ hate group called the um, uh, called Family Watch International, which has been designated wow. by, by as an anti LGBTQ hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, and they've worked on other legislation in the past that kind of led to, to boycotts and things of Arizona back in the 90s that led to the Super Bowl almost not coming here and, and issues like that. And that led to that bill back then that was going to pass and it being vetoed by our governor. That bill made it all the way through the process and got to the governor's, you know, desk before it got vetoed. Um, um, and that got vetoed because the governor and, you know, all these businesses were saying that, look, we're not going to be coming to the state if this type of bill gets passed. It was a bill that would have allowed discrimination against, you know, LGBTQ people in the state. Um, so Arizona has kind of a history with that. And then at the same time, there's other uh, bills that are kind of working their way um, through the system here in the state that are similar, like one that would uh, uh, ban any books that have anything sexually explicit in them um, from school libraries um, and from being taught. And within that, there's also the word homosexuality, which, um, you know, anything that has to deal with homosexuality in books can be banned um, and not used or taught. And some people, critics of this bill, see that as a way of kind of banning the the teaching of homosexuality within schools. Wow, that's that's incredible. We're we're here with Jared McDonald Evoy, reporter at the Arizona Mirror. And so, you know, try, trying to ban even saying the word homosexuality or even sexually explicit things among you know this bill that we're talking about now. What are local LGBTQ plus organizations and even national organizations doing about this right now? Well, um, a lot of them are just trying to, uh, from what I've, I've heard and, and, and from them in committees or from speaking with them, they're just trying to, to you know, write their lawmakers to, to tell them, you know, to not um, uh, support these measures. They're really just trying to be heard at the Capitol, um, you know, and, and telling them, you know, don't support these measures, uh, you know, uh, and trying to push the, the maybe the more moderate Republicans that are at the Capitol to, to not go forward with them. When this bill was heard in the House Education Committee, there was one Republican lawmaker who did vote yes on it, but said that he wasn't too keen on the provision in the bill that, that allowed for the outing of LGBTQ students or, you know, that kind of forced the teachers to do that. Mm-hmm. He was for the measures in the bill that, you know, that uh, uh, because the, the bill was, is very broad and allows for a lot of other things in, in the realm of parental you know, quote unquote, parental rights, mm-hmm. but that part of it made him uncomfortable. So he may have been a, a no vote on that bill later on in the process. Um, so there are other lawmakers that may end up voting, they're Republican who may end up voting no on this, who are moderate later down the line. So it may end up being a, a, a matter of persuading those lawmakers to vote no on it later on. Yeah. And there are other more moderate lawma- Republican lawmakers like that in the in the Senate and in the House. Well, we do know that there is some pro-LGBTQ legislation that's happening in the Arizona Senate. And then versus this, how likely are both of them kind of to get passed? Like, especially this House bill versus like the actual good things that could really impact and help the LGBTQ plus community. 
Yeah, there is a, yeah, the, uh, the Arizona Senate, there is a, uh, LGBTQ, um, anti-discrimination bill that would make it so, um, you know, there's a number of cities out here in Arizona, a lot of the larger metropolitan cities like Phoenix, Tempe, uh, Avondale, Glendale, they have, you know, anti-discrimination ordinances, but we don't have a statewide one. And this bill would basically make a statewide anti-discrimination ordinance um, and make it so, you know, you can't discriminate against someone for their, their sexual um, uh, identity. And this bill has bipartisan support. However, you know, some of those organizations that I mentioned before that are down here at the Capitol helping write that other legislation have come out against it that, you know, also have the ear of those other lawmakers. Um, and Speaker of the House, Rusty Bowers, who is behind this um, bipartisan push to pass this anti-discrimination um, ordinance bill, has said that, you know, we're hoping to get this bill, you know, over the, the line. But at the same time, I'm not going to bring this, 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 this bill for a vote if it doesn't have the support. And so right. far, we haven't seen this bill being brought for a vote. Well, thank you so much, Jared McDonald. Uh, Evo A., the reporter at the Arizona Mirror, thank you so much for joining us. I'm like on a coffee high right now. Thanks so much for <laughs> Thanks, joining <Jared>. us. <laughs> All right, well, no problem. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. No, of course. of course. We would love to have you back if there's any other updates. But we got to keep this party moving on because it is not Valentine's Day without a good scam or a catfish story. We're diving deep into one of those coming up next. I mean, the only way to celebrate Valentine's Day is literally watching scamming and catfish like documentaries, you know, where the ones where someone gets scammed and they're sending thousands, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars to a man that they will probably never meet or they did meet and Whoa. he just scams them. Yes, I'm talking about the Tinder swindler. If you haven't seen it, it's the latest, hottest Netflix documentary that sounds a little bit like this. He took me to a five-star hotel. He said we had a special connection. It felt like stepping into a movie. And then in the middle of the night, he said there was something he wants to tell me. He said he has threats against him. He needs to borrow cash. $20,000, $30,000. dollars His life depended on me. That's when police tell me. The man I love was never real. Everything's a lie. I mean, have you seen this documentary? No, but I am so into it now. I mean, you sold it, and then that trailer, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Here's the thing, though. Wow. I just feel like, you know, one, I watched, like, I finished it this morning because I was watching it over the weekend and then I took a little break. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just wild to see the story and how these women, they kind of fell in love with this guy because he was so charming and, and you really convinced him, you know, that he was in love with them and he asked yeah. them for so much money and they gave it up and he's still like well you know girl y'all just gotta watch I was to gonna say don't, don't give away the ending there I'm I... not gonna give it away I'm not gonna give it away but it does bring up an interesting conversation about catfishing which a lot mm -hmm. of people are talking about and this mm -hmm. TikTok user actually she is I guess a wizard with a beauty blender and able to completely transform her her look with makeup and, and people were like okay she's this girl who shares clips of herself where she goes bare face and she has like a unibrow and acne and then it shows her switch over to like a full face of glam and honestly she looks the 
same thing, like as the same person. But what are your thoughts about catfishing around this time and just catfishing and social media in general? Well, I don't think I feel like this is sort of a categorically different situation, right? Like the Tinder swindler, things like that. People legit putting up something that someone who is not them in their pictures completely misrepresenting themselves in order for some sort of gain, primary or secondary gain. Mm -hmm. That's to me catfishing. This woman who's, you know, she's they're saying she's proud to be a catfisher, but what she really is is just really good at like severe contouring. Like she just has (laughs) she just does really good makeup, right? Like so ask literally any person who wears makeup when they go out, like you just look different. And to me that's not if you're like here's who I am well I I beat my face too. Like you don't want to see me in the morning before I put on my eye cream. Like, it's just, it's a hot mess, right? My thing is, it's like, it's not that shocking. With I feel like everyone does a little bit of catfishing, especially like if you're using apps like Facetune and you smooth this over and you shrink uh-huh. this a little bit. Everybody kind of does that. You got to have a blend of what, it, you know, for me anyway, I always make sure that I still look like the same person if someone sees me in person Completely. and versus on my photos. Completely. But t- touching yourself up a little bit more, getting rid of little things should not be considered consider catfishing it's not I, what we all see on mtv yep i completely 100 percent agree the same. no it's not the same if you're like i'm a super i'm a russian supermodel and i do all this stuff or whatever and you're like an 87 year old grandma like no no no, no. like well, that's what, what if she was i mean that, maybe she was she lived a life before she was 87 right <laughs> she could I mean, have been i'm a russian supermodel too <laughs> <laughs> oh my god let us know your thoughts on what you consider to be catfishing and honestly i have a thing where i could say ryan recommends that we do on the show sometimes and honestly I'm recommending everyone. If you don't have a Valentine's person, let make the Tinder Swindler your Valentine's Day gift to yourself because it's so juicy. And honestly, wow. I need to find me a white woman willing to donate everything to me. That's $140,000 to you right away. More show coming up next. Well, all right, we are back, and the show must go on. And, of course, Dr. James Simmons is here filling in for Sheer Lazar, who is out today. But we'll be back tomorrow. Very good. Thank you so much for joining. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. And, honestly, you're here for a special day because it's Valentine's Day tonight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Valentine's Day being tonight, Dr. James is going in-depth on our hearts and our private parts. (laughs) That's coming up. And, of course, how last night's big show started, the Generation Wars. Are you Team Gen X? Mm-hmm. Are Team Millennials? <laughs> but first, I got to ask producer Justin, what the hell is this song? You've never heard this song before. No. This I, is Randy Newman's I Love L.A. Oh. Because a certain I, team won the big game last night. Yeah, that they team did. being the Los Angeles Rams, bringing the Finn Lombardi Trophy to Los Angeles for the first time in its history. Go Rams, go. And you know who lost? My dog, because of the damn fireworks. Fireworks, yes. Those fireworks <laughs> were wild sick. around here. I loved it, though. I wasn't even watching the game, and I was like, oh, the fireworks must mean we won. We won. Uh-huh. We actually did something. <laughs> um, but no, it was a really big moment. Congratulations, Los Angeles. What a cool moment for everyone, winning the Super Bowl, being in the city during the Super Bowl. It's kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime situation, right? Yeah, it was super. Other than the traffic, it was actually really cool. Just yeah. like all, all these people being here and the, everyone being in like kind of good spirits and yeah. feeling, you know, COVID always puts a little weird twist on things, but it was really yeah. nice. It was I awesome. I mean, honestly, if you looked at the crowd, it looked like it didn't exist, but we'll talk about it a little bit later. <laughs> Let's get into what's going on in the top of the hour news. You got it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You I already like knew it. what song to play. <laughs> so the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights has dismissed a complaint against Birmingham. What is it? Brigham? Brigham. Brigham? 
Oh, wow. Brigham. I'm so country. Brigham Young University, that alleged BYU violated federal law by discriminating against LGBTQ plus students. The university is exempt from some aspects of the law in question because of its religious affiliation, according to the Office of Civil Rights. Um, that's what they ruled. BYU issued a statement Thursday acknowledging the dismissal and saying it was expected because, quote, OCR has repeatedly recognized BYU's religious exemption for Title IX requirements Mm -hmm. that are not consistent with the religious Mm -hmm. tenets of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is worth, quote, um, it is also quoted a letter that the university's president, Tevin Wortham, had sent to OCR saying, we simultaneously stand firm in our religious beliefs and reiterate our love and aspects and respects for each member of the campus community. Now, some of those members and their allies are upset, however... Someone said, one of the gay Mormon and recent BYU graduates said this, quote, I'm not sure how long we will allow religious liberty to supersede the rights of queer people. They told the Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, it's really this conversation about, you know, religious freedoms and where it comes to protecting LGBTQ uh, folks in general. Uh, it's kind of a slippery slope, too, when you get into... It's a gross slope. U- universities getting federal funding, all things like that. It's a very interesting conversation. Well, exactly four years after the daily shooting in Parkland, Florida, March for Our Lives co-founder David Hogg had this to say. I was asked by the reporter, you know, what do you want to say to politicians? And I said, we're the kids. You're the adults. You need to do something. It's four years later, and I'm 21 years old, and I'm an adult. We need to do something. And frankly, President Biden needs to do something. Because there are certain things that he's leaving on the table that he can do right now, like creating a national office of gun violence prevention and a national director of gun violence prevention, and creating a comprehensive plan to dramatically reduce gun deaths before the State of the Union that he can do right now, regardless of the filibuster and regardless of what's going on in the Senate. I mean, honestly, I completely agree. We have to do something. Coming up to four years of this and all the other deadly shootings that have happened since then, Mm -hmm. we have to do something. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how high it is on the priority list. Yeah, you know, this is a this is a big part sort of partisan issue. But then even within the the different parties, there's so much discussion about what are those laws when it comes to like what's too far when it comes to regulating you know guns. Yeah. um, You know, in different environments, and so you know, no president, no politician right now wants to go on the record saying they're against anything that might have to influence people's. Second Amendment rights. It's a sticky, sticky conversation. A very sticky situation. Before we get into the T report with James, I want to talk talk to you all about the Pete Buttigieg moment. That was really, really cute. The U.S. Secretary of Transportation is showing some love. He basically took to social media to celebrate Valentine's Day, and in the post, he uploaded a new photo of himself with his husband Chastin, saying, "Happy Valentine's Day to the love of my life. I'm even more thankful for Chastin now that our love is not just an incredible gift between us, but the foundation of a family." Here's hoping our heart continue to grow with every step we take together. I mean, did you ever think we'd see the moment? I mean, honestly, the only thing that I'm thinking of is like, are they having a threesome to celebrate Valentine's Day? <laughs> what, gay, they, what gay couple they, is it? Are they adopting a child? Is, isn't that the next person that's coming in? That's not a threesome, right? I mean, that's what I thought. They're, I mean, they're both wildly attractive. I mean, hey. And think about it, it's gay, if you, you know? Right. I mean, yeah. Threesomes are our thing, but you know, yes, hey. they have children. Beautiful. Wah. Anyway, what's in the tea report? (laughs) Okay, so there's lots of controversy and mystery over who might be hosting the Oscars. Well, mystery no more. Three comic forces appear to be the only ones now in the mix for the March Awards shows, and it looks like all three of them are going to do it. I'm teasing you. You're waiting. Regina Hall, 
Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes are finalizing ta-da, their deals to host this year's Academy Awards. This is really fantastic because they all are Emmy, uh, have been previously like Emmy-nominated actors um, and other award winners. And previously, you know, the show's being produced by Will Packer um, of Girls Trip. And they're supposed to bring some sort of fun and levity to the show, um, obviously bringing in some diversity. And so to have three hosts, all women, two of them black, one of them Channel Q, if you will. Oh, I really, oh. Wanda. Wanda, yeah. I forgot. Why? I, and also, I mean, well, the streets be talking, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> we don't, we don't let this, you know, we only bring you verified information here I said on the streets be talking. On you Channel just never Q. Know. Right, right. You, you can do that Googling on your own about mm-hmm, what the streets mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm. be talking about. Um, you know, there were some other folks who are potentially going to be a part of this, John Hamm, but he exited talks this weekend, apparently. So it's just going to be these three women hosting the Oscars, and it will now make me want to tune in. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming for Regina Hall regardless because she's just iconic. Right, that part. So thank you for the T-Report. We got more coming up on the hour every hour. But right now, last night's halftime show has caused some serious generation wars. Mm -hmm. Guess what? We're going to settle it here. Who felt seen the most? Gen X or millennials? We're breaking it all down. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Next. Okay, wait, real quick. Before we get into, obviously, last night's big show, uh, I have to say, I went and got a massage last night, and I got my back waxed, and my back feels like a baby's <laughs> butt. It feels absolutely... Very I keep just going back and touching like, my back, and I'm like... Rub it on yourself. I need a man to come feel this. I think <laughs> <laughs> or you can keep feeling yourself. I think we're going to talk about self-love for you Valentine's know, Day later have, on in the show. I, I know so. plenty of self-love things that uh-huh. I could do to myself right now. Anyway, let's talk about last night's a big show, right? The halftime show that was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> not I'm just the, afraid not to, the game, just the big show. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. I don't really want to talk about the game. But do you okay. have highlights? I mean, I, I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a oh, sports a fo- fan. I'm oh, a football okay. fan. Okay. So I mean, no, no. I, there's a butch. There's something butch about, it. Let's talk about it. Right. Ultimately, the Rams won. I thought it was a really good game. They were you uh, rooting for the Sean, Rams? I was rooting for the Rams. They are my third favorite team. Really? Um, yes, behind the Steelers and the Bears. So Sean McVay stuck to his plan. He kept running the ball, even though it didn't work. But ultimately, it worked out. I'm happy for Matt Stafford, who's a good dude. I'm happy for Cooper Cup. I'm happy for Odell Beckham. Did you see him crying afterwards? Like, yeah, that didn't was a he get big, hurt, though? He did. It was bad. His knee did not look good. So 
does his Super Bowl ring look different than everyone's since he didn't really play? <laughs> it has a little chip in it because no, he. I mean, he played uh, most of the first half, I think, and he scored the um, first touchdown. He scored the first touchdown, yeah, and he definitely oh. deserves. It. And Von Miller, Von Miller's a, uh, a real stand-up dude. Uh, I Aaron think pre- previously Aaron Donald, uh, previously you know Walter Payton, Man of the Year nominee, and Von Miller. He came over from Denver. Like, I'm really glad that all these guys got their ring finally. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a rash of retirements coming soon because of this. Someone help me. <laughs> the sports report here. Oh, no, sorry, we just left Ryan. Let's get back. I know. There's the crickets. Poor Ryan. You know, I can talk, I can talk I like, football and sports all day long, but we can get I to your I big was being show. suffocated by testosterone. <laughs> um, but no, here's the thing. I, the thing that we have to talk about, mm-hmm. the only thing that I got home right on time for nice. the halftime show, and it was all things Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar. Eminem, 50 Cent was a surprise. Random. My person Random. that stole the show was Mary J. Blige, of mm, course. You know, mm-hmm. the absolute queen in her mm-hmm. white. She came out, did what? What songs did she do? She did No More Drama, yep. and then the other one was like Family Affair. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. And so, honestly, what we're playing, obviously, and it was just absolutely uh, phenomenal. Not my favorite halftime show. Mary J. could have been there all the time. I just don't feel like rappers. Like, men aren't performers, in my opinion, except really? for Kendrick. Kendrick. Kendrick was great. Was great. Kendrick yeah. is great. But rappers, for me, they're not really performers in the ways that, like, when you see a woman like Mary J come out in her moment and her full fit and do a little choreo and give you, like, vocals, mm-hmm. that is what I'm looking for when it comes to a, for a big like show a like big, that. a big performance. You want yeah. a Shakira, J-Lo, Beyonce. Not, a Shaki- not even a Shakira Janet. or J-Lo. I just want a Beyonce. Maybe that's why I have high standards. I think so, because uh, yeah. Beyonce was there before. I did think it was very interesting that the folks I was with, and I was in a queer environment watching this, the folks I were with immediately commented on how Mary J looked in her outfit. Yes. They didn't comment on how anybody else looked in their outfit, and I was like, hold up, wait a minute. And they what, were like, what's she's, interesting about men she's too dressed. old. She's too old for this outfit. <gasps> and I was oh, like, they were saying can that? we leave women alone about what they're wearing? Like, oh, first of all, wow. they clearly didn't know Mary J, because Mary J has always been wearing some stuff like that yes, in those high-ass uh, boots her entire she's career. She's the queen of hip-hop. Yeah, seriously. I, I was so mad. And then I also was like, you know, y'all know Kendrick Lamar also has like a Nobel Prize in poetry. Yeah, and which were like, was that the first mm-hmm. like, Pulitzer Prize winner to perform at the? I probably has to be the first. Yeah, like at the Super Bowl, that's like that's pretty in, big, incredible. Right? That was huge, and I actually I thought his part of the f- performance, even though I don't like Eminem, I thought M M actually did a really great job. I thought that Kendrick's part of the performance was the best. Yeah, I liked Eminem's beard dye job. Oh. <laughs> his, it looked really good. Just for me. I was like, he looked so at young. Target. He looked delicious. Uh-huh. But here's the thing. Let's talk about the real situation. Because, I mean, you know, we are, we're at some, quite some distance in age. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think online people had this really intense conversation that I was super shocked about. Yeah. The generational wars. Like, people were claiming, is this a, was this show for the Gen Xers or was this show for the millennials? Mm. And honestly, I don't know why that even started. Why do you think this started? Because the millennials are always trying to come up and grab somebody else's business. I was like, why is this even a conversation? But I think, you know, if you go to Twitter, there were Twitter wars about all this for those of y'all who are not informed about what's going on. And so all of these performers, other than Kendrick, 
qualify as Gen Xers by age. Okay. But a lot of their music was really influential when millennials were younger. Yeah. And so millennials were forever trying to claim something. They were trying to claim that this concert was for them. And I was like, nope, my knees and my back and my Gen Xness <laughs> say that this concert and these people that I grew up with was for me, damn it. No, honestly, I have to agree. Like, that, this is a Gen Xer thing. My mom was so excited. Like, her, Mary J. Blige is her favorite, favorite artist mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, she is obsessed with Mary J. Blige. Yeah. And so I knew this was a moment for her, I was like, you know, I'm gonna sit in the back and I'm just gonna enjoy the show because half the songs I can't even remember if I remember, like if I know <laughs> See? Exactly. And so for me, you know, Gen X. I think this is a Team Gen X win. Uh-huh. I'm just happy that there was no Tupac hologram that was gonna pop out like <laughs> I did at Coachella. That was the one thing I was happy about. I mean, because you thought, yeah. you know, you there's they always said, a surprise. They said a surprise. There's always a surprise, yeah. as, as you pointed Which out before, right? And I was like, this is the lamest surprise ever. Of yeah. all of the people from Gen X hip hop land, yeah. From LA, that you could have got to come on and be the surprise. I would have rather had a Tupac hologram <laughs> than 50 Cent hanging upside down. I'm like, first of all, don't nobody like you. Well, the Coachella Tupac hologram was actually really hot. Like, he, that one was a really good one. And it kind of scared me when I first saw it. <laughs> it, it looked like Tupac. It looked really real. Yeah. But here's the thing as we kind of wrap this whole thing up, I, I just want to know the, the um, you know, the whole NFL of it all. They had the end racism at the end goal, mm-hmm. or the end goal. The, the end zone. The end zone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing that all season, though. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, they, that the was whole strange. Thing. Why yeah. is that? Is that proclamation them like I actually mean, ending racism? A lot of these players really called out the NFL and some of their horrible policies and actions during, particularly during the summer of George Floyd during 2019 uh-huh. and all the protests. And so now you'll see a lot of the players have sayings on the back of their helmets and things like that. I get that. it for players, but on the field, just feels like it's performative. Yeah. Oh. Oh. We. That's a whole show about how performative the NFL stance yeah. on racism has been when I think it's 78% of players are black. And people and were we critical have... about the Dr. Dre and the Snoop Dogg of it all, especially uh-huh. because of their history and, and you know, giving the platforms to these rappers specifically. Right. right. And so... 0% of black owners, one black head coach. Yeah. And they're being, sued, they being sued. And they're being sued There's by Brian Flores for racism right now. In the yep. NFL. So do you, let's do you put think... hashtag and racism at the end zone and it's all better now. So I'm like, does this, does this perform Performance actually require like actually mean that they did something special in my opinion not really but Mary J thank you for saving Black History Month we got more show coming up next of course because honey it's time for uh, you Dr. James to talk about all of our private parts Mm, because it's Valentine's Day are you wearing a condom well let's talk about it hey Hey, hey. <laughs> I can't with this intro. Oh my goodness. It's, it's, it's wow. Loud. Oh my goodness. This gets to be my segment. I'm super excited about this. You like Did how you I'm, just, touch, I'm touching look, myself? I mean, <laughs> wow. Because it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> And, uh, you know, if you're not touching somebody else, you might as well go ahead and touch yourself. That's true, right? And it's International Condoms Day, right? Or is that that it? As it should be on Valentine's Day. Which is interesting. I didn't even know that day existed because it just feels like... There's just a lack of condoms uh, in everywhere. Oh my gosh! I mean, this is this is a really big conversation that has come about since we started talking about prep in particular. Okay. In the queer community, right? But specifically, you know, and I, I do want to say, going into this conversation, I am a clinical ambassador for the CDC's Let's Stop HIV Together programs. Mm-hmm. So I'm a super fan of prep. It's also what I did my doctoral research in. So prep being oral HIV prophylaxis. Yeah. One of the things that people said about oral HIV prophylaxis early on was that. It could potentially lead to increases in other 
STIs, sexually transmitted infections, because people may be using condoms less. Okay, because that's the thing, right? Even in conversations with friends and stuff, I think people often they say, oh, condoms just feel so uncomfortable. It's not like they don't like it. And like, but they're on prep and they feel like they're okay. So why do you think that's like the the general idea when it comes to, I mean, the the kind of cultural conversation that we're, we're having, especially in queer communities. Spaces, sure. I mean, condoms are uncomfortable for a lot of people and they do decrease sensation for a lot of people. They're just sort of not as much fun. They also can be really awkward in certain moments, right? So you're in, it's hot and heavy, things are going on and then you're like, oh, I need a condom and up, where is it? And then you got the lube and then your hands are slippery and then like stuff's going on. And so what happens is a lot of people are only concerned about HIV And so because they may be on PrEP, or if you're HIV positive and your viral load is undetectable, it's also impossible for you to transmit HIV, right? Uh So if you're you're sexually involved and you're uh, taking your meds and your viral load is is undetectable, and or you're on PrEP, you're like, we don't need to worry about anything else except for, you know, things like syphilis and herpes and chlamydia and gonorrhea. Just dropping syphilis into the conversation. (laughs) I hope you were ready for that. And while right now... How common is it to get syphilis? It, it's well, one in five sexually active people in the United States right now have an active sexually transmitted infection. One in wow. five active right now as we speak. Syphilis is incredibly, incredibly common. It used to be a little bit lower mm-hmm. when we were all wearing condoms more. It has since exploded. I believe it's number two now, just behind H behind HPV, which we do classify as a sexually transmitted infection. So it's very, very high. It's Here's the thing about syphilis that's a little bit tricky. You can treat it with an antibiotic if you detect it really early, right? Mm -hmm. But some people who have syphilis aren't, they don't have symptoms from it. And so what ends up happening is nine months later, they get a weird rash on their hand or they start having like issues being able to see or even further down the road, individuals who can carry children start having problems uh, hanging onto pregnancies and things like that. And it's because you might have what's called tertiary syphilis, which is when you've gotten syphilis it might have exposed itself a little bit and then went dormant in your body and then affects you later on in life. And that, to me, is the really scary part about syphilis. Okay, so let's talk about the ways where we're seeing in the news about, you know, straight people, which are contracting or they're not are being diagnosed, not contracting, but they're being diagnosed with HIV positive, um, you know, What's the word? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's more. It's coming out of the UK in particular. So in the UK, there are now actually more heterosexual people diagnosed with HIV than gay folks. And they specifically compared it to like gay men. Because I think a lot of people just think that, yeah, it's just a a gay disease Mm -hmm. or a queer Mm -hmm. disease. And it's it's seeming like going back to International Condom Day, that's the, the connection there. Well, and there's... Condom use has gone down, and because we can do things with antibiotics like treat syphilis and chlamydia and gonorrhea fairly well now, people, even straight folks, aren't really using condoms the way that they were before. Do you think straight people even really thought about that in that way? I mean, a lot of the straight people that I know also have the same conversation about condoms being like, you know, um, uncomfortable, but then also. Yeah, and then if when they're dating around or if they're dating one person and like if they're being unfaithful, other people are dating with other folks, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like it just doesn't seem like that is the thing. No, no, a lot of people are not into that. And I am not into like the shaming aspect of it. Yeah, of course. You know, I think like if people are going to do what they're going to do, but I think it's really important to to protect yourself and I think it's important too that we start to move this prep conversation as well because mm. if people aren't using condoms and and now if we have more heterosexual folks in the UK being diagnosed with HIV we can stop that 
because they yeah. can be on oral prep just like gay folks. So we, it's time to sort of change the strategy about prep, and we're doing that in the United States now. Is that everyone's getting education about prep? Gay, straight, queer, black, white, purple, brown, whoever you're having sex so with, anyone can take prep. Every, yes, everyone. We're good on prep now. Oh, everyone wow. can take prep. So we need to start having these conversations about this. So we, you and I, don't have to keep having this type of conversation. And wow. on International Condom Day, please wear them condoms. I mean, that's basically it. Coming up, we're talking about more straight folks in The Bachelor in particular because we're trying to figure out why do people actually still watch this show? <laughs> yeah, that's coming up. Well, 20 years, 26 seasons, and two long-running spinoffs. Millions have been mesmerized by The Bachelor. Mm. Now, me, I am not one of those millions. I watched one season. It was Rachel's season, and I only watched because she was black. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to just be honest with you. No, I mean, let me let yeah. you know. And I thought it was because it was a historical moment. Sure. And um, now I did watch the hit show on Lifetime called Unreal with Constance Zimmer, where it really took you behind the scenes of what happens on a show like The Bachelor. And it's just wild to see. But James, mm. who is here filling in for Sheila mm-hmm. Zarro's out. Hello, hello. Why do you think people are still watching this crazy ass show? Brainwashing. Really? I am fully behind. We we have been rom comified since we were kids. Since we sat around and watched Disney, you know, princess movies, mm-hmm. and all these different things happen. About you know, it's this rom com, true love. You know, we we put this love on a pedestal, and we think that love can happen from being matched up on a TV show like this, or it's a J Lo movie. We just watched Marry Me. I just watched it this weekend, and it's it was actually so it was adorable. so bad that it was good. Right. I love her so much. But this is where we go, like, oh, I'm gonna be a pop star and just pick some random dude from the stage and marry him. It's gonna end up working out. Like, we actually think that this is what love does. And so when you yeah. look at the demographics of 18 to 49 year old, largely white. Christian middle-aged women so who watch me. this stuff. I am a largely white, white Christian white woman. <laughs> but you don't watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or whatever. I this, could be lying. It's because society has told these women, you could be lying, the, society has told these women and these people, this is this is love. This is how you find love. Yeah. This is how you can and fulfill yourself. You, you completely. All that BS that we've learned about love through movies and all this crap plays out in these reality TV shows and even though they have only had 10 successful, successful, finger quotes, relationships really out of all that 26 all seasons people, right 26 <gasps> seasons later people still and listen wow. at the end of the day they're making money hand over fist with Wait. this franchise they're not gonna stop producer justin yeah what are your thoughts on this let me tell you as as a watcher of the bachelor and the bachelorette like, and bachelor in paradise you? oh no are you really you watch it because my wife watches it yes ah, yes don't yes. blame it on your uh, wife no don't no, 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 blame i could watch this beforehand wife. but this was because of old friends from another radio station who used to cover this stuff okay short, the story okay. Right. but i can tell you why people watch this show and it's not for love uh-huh. it's for the train wrecks that are a lot of these people that are competing <laughs> on this show yeah the, it, it makes it puts the housewives to shame some really? of the behavior really? of some of these women there's one woman on on this season right now a blonde woman who just is taking like throwing trophies and you know eating shrimp and it becoming a big blow up fight over shrimp so people love to judge it's and garbage. so that's why yes. they gra- it, it, we want to feel better TV and that's what people yep. are doing to, to watch themselves to feel better so do you think that there will ever be an end of this franchise because they've gone through several scandals Lord and it doesn't really hopes. seem like the scandals are ever going to be strong enough to end this like huge bachelor empire no, nothing the bachelorette no, empire nothing lasts forever but this is gonna last too long already has Bye. Huh. it could be done
Do they have a new uh, host, by the way? Because I know that guy got... Um, Je- uh-huh. Yeah, Chris Harrison is out. Jesse Palmer, who was a former Bachelor, is now the host. Uh-huh. Is he as good as the other guy? I mean, he's he's, he's fine. I mean, you say two words in the entire episode. It's I like, mean, he is fine, too. Like, ladies, I mean, if you like them guy, big, this is the final rose of the evening. There you dudes. go. I, I can do that job. <laughs> I think you. I think I'm yes. going to start a campaign for producer let's Justin produce to be the new host. Right now, let's do it. I'm in. Or- we will start the page. <laughs> what is that? Petition.org or whatever? Change.org. Change.org. Right. <laughs> well, honey, another hour down, and we're literally keeping this party going. Welcome back. It is Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan. Sheer is out right now, but guess what? We have a perfect fill-in host, Dr. James. Thank mm. you so much for joining. Thank you for having me here. I'm loving it today on a Valentine's Day. I mean, everyone loves you here at Channel Q. You yeah. have such a, um, an important voice, and you've been our like medical go-to for so, so long. So, like, honestly, obsessed with you. Has there been much medically going on the last couple of years? Actually, right. no. Like, no. This I has don't... been the quietest it's ever been, yeah, actually. Not, not much to talk about. It's wild. <laughs> it's so wild. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Well, coming up this hour, we have tons. Uh, of course, honey, if you watched last week's, uh, last Friday's Drag Race episode, Ooh, baby. you already know what time it is. A recap of Drag Race is coming literally in about, what, 10, 15 minutes? Um, and we have our pop culture drag expert, uh, Tony Moore, joining us. Can't so wait. get ready for that. And then, of course, we're talking work romances. And now that everyone's working remotely, is it really taboo anymore? Mm, I can't wait for this conversation because I have strong thoughts. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's dive in. Okay, so let's talk about what's trending this hour. So some really, really sad news. The violent death of another transgender American in 2021 has come to light, bringing this year's record total of such deaths to at least 54. Wow. Um, Ruby uh, Dominguez, a Latina trans woman, was killed in a hit-and-run accident July 16th in Arlington, Texas. Her trans identity was initially reported by Trans Riot as some, uh, some other media had dead named and misgendered her. Um, and so with this information, we are most definitely sending love to her sister Monica because she described Ruby as a happy, social, humorous person who made people laugh. And appearing on Telemundo, Monica called for justice and appealed to the driver to come forward. She said, make yourself responsible because it has caused great pain in my family, both emotionally and psychologically. Um, she continues saying, it's something irreparable. Um, and so we are sending so much love and it's unfortunate that we have to continue to report on news like this, but it is important to make sure that these people's names are heard and seen and talked about and highlighted. Especially when you have other news outlets uh, dead naming them yes. and misgendering them. Are you them. kidding me? It's, yes. It's unbelievable. So there is an update in the whole Sarah Palin New York Times case. It was actually dismissed. The judge overseeing, um, you know, a former Alaska governor Sarah Palin's defamation lawsuit against the New York Times said Monday afternoon that he will dismiss the suit, ruling Palin's team did not prove a key element of its case. I mean, are we shocked at Sarah Palin? <laughs> um, the judge ruling came while the uh, jury is deliberating over a verdict, and the judge said he will allow the jury to continue deliberating and to reach a verdict um, and we'll dismiss the case once it has done so. This is wild for me. Let the jury go through all this work, deliberate, come up with their decision and then be like, I'm going to dismiss it regardless. Literally, and now this is new news for you. Palin sued the Times and its former editorial uh, page editor James Bennett in 2017 after they published an editorial that linked a map that Palin's political action committee had posted to a shooting in 2011 that killed six and injured former Congresswoman uh, Gabrielle Giffords. And so that is what's trending this hour. We got more coming up. 
But right now, it is time for the Tea Report. What's happened, Dr. James? One of everyone's favorites, you hear in the background, is ready for Playboy. She's ready for her close-up, and we mean the close close-up, because she has a little something, a little surprise for everybody during that close-up. Take a listen. Who got the best piercing? <laughs> Who got, the, who got the freakiest piercing? I saw you guys did a dope ass. Who got the freakiest yeah. piercing? I'll never show you my coochie, so you'll never know. Uh, yeah. No. Lizzo, everyone wants to know, you've taken some amazing guys, people, photos recently. Would you ever do Playboy? Oh my God, tell Cardi to call me. Oh yeah, she, she's Playboy. the ambassador. That's yeah, right. I'll Listen do it. I'm going on Fox News. I'm speaking out. I'm speaking out against it. Tucker Carlson, please book me. Are you? Oh my goodness. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. The Slay God going on Tucker Carlson, being booked by Fox no, News right now I, to talk about our girl I Lizzo. I love Lizzo. I will say Lizzo's Super Bowl outfit was giving Drag Race unconventional challenge. Um, I did not like that. Um, but overall, we know what Lizzo's always giving. She's a hot, foxy mama, and I love her. She is. I have so many piercings right now. I never thought I'd be this girl she talks about to the paparazzi that you heard in the background during her visit to Drake's celebrity star-studded West Hollywood Super Bowl weekend concert. This is where she got talked, you know, asked yeah, about this. Yeah. Um, and she says, oh my God, tell Cardi to call me because, you know, Cardi is an ambassador for Playboy now. Which is, I mean, I would love to see a collaboration in that world. We already had rumor. So what does it look like in an editorial space? I'm excited to see. So shout out to that. But Lizzo, I'm honestly sick of like celebrities just talking. I feel like we're starting to know way too much about them. And uh -huh. I don't want to know about Lizzo's vagina. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that team report, James. You got Appreciate it, of you. Uh -huh. Okay, now it is time for our RuPaul's Drag Race recap. And honey, the fight that everyone is talking about in that untucked. Who went home? Who deserved? Who actually won that fight? Well, we're diving in all the way coming up next. The world is hey, hey. For our weekly, you know, drag race recap. And honey, we got a lot to talk about in this past episode. I believe it was episode six, and the drama went down. The the challenge, it was an unconventional challenge. And no, we have to bring back our drag race expert, our pop culture guru, Tony Moore. Hello, hello, hello. Who me? Who me? Uh, of course. No one else on earth, darling, but you. I mean, literally uh -oh. you. Um, we got a lot to talk about. And we only oh, got yes, six minutes do. to talk about it. So, you know, this episode was really interesting. We got our second sewing kind of challenge. The unconventional challenge comes. Uh, it's honestly coming in a little bit early in the season, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, but it's just wild what we're seeing here. Let me know your initial thoughts. Were you surprised that we were doing an unconventional challenge this early on? Were you expecting it later in the season? What were your thoughts and who were you thinking were going to be your tops before we talk about the tops? You know what? First of all, any unconventional challenge across any reality show makes me nervous because even though we're like 13 seasons in of RuPaul's Drag Race, these girls still haven't went to Joanne's Fabrics or wherever fabric store is in their city and learned how to sew. So I get nervous for them. At, like right off the bat because I'm like girl if you don't know how to thread this uh, sewing machine or at least give it a stitch so that mm -hmm. it holds together everybody's using E6000 <laughs> uh, 
that part. Well, I do feel like that, right? We've had 13 seasons of yeah. like, you know, if you're auditioning, you know that this is going it's to come so up. It's so embarrassing. And right. And then exactly. you get it. And it's, a, it's almost like a tired trope by the yeah. end. I am a performer. I don't sew. Like, I was really worried about Georges, who mm. ended up sort of kind of ge- getting bailed out a little bit. Now, that was a gag. Yep. The, like, and, and we're jumping ahead, but that was most definitely a gag in all of these things. But it was really interesting. Mm. It's, so, it's so interesting now that Cornbread's going to see the dynamic, mm. right? And it's really interesting to see how this season's being kind of put together and being edited because Cornbread really was a staple. Do you feel like since she's left that we've seen kind of like this this difference in the casting of it all? Because for me, it seems a little white bread, like bland. Yeah, well, because we're, we're, we miss that energy. There's a certain energy that obviously everyone brings, and obviously Cornbread brought this energy of she's funny, she is talented, but she's also kind of like, she reminds me sometimes of Bianca Del Rio. She's not as, like, harsh, but she has that, like, she's that wit about her and a little bit of sass, but there's still that motherly vibe of her. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what we're missing, and now the girls are like, trying to compensate for the energy that has left the building. I also feel like there was a kindness with Cornbread, too. You know, I go back to Willow having such a hard time with the Glamazon Prime boxes, just getting them open, and no one was around to help Willow. But, you know, Cornbread would have, in a heartbeat, been there and be like, girl, I got you. Let me help you with this and and get it going. And I feel like there's once that kind energy left, like Cornbread's such a big energy, once her energy left, like, Everyone went great. Like Daya's all of a sudden being edited as the <laughs> yes! bad guy. Like Which all is these things are happening. Right? Do you do you believe that, Tony? I just want to know. Like someone as who really knows. Do you believe this Daya evil person is is actually there, or is this just them reaching for something? Listen, you can't edit something that's not there. So clearly, there's a little something there. I think she is frustrated. Uh, like, as uh, he, sorry, I don't want to miss, miss uh, gender anybody, but, you know, I always say she when it comes to the girls. Yeah, when it's the queens, it's the queens, right. Yeah. Right. But, um, but I, think, I think right now it's that pressure of, like, you want to win, you want to continue moving forward, but you're tired of being safe, and you just want to know what you can improve. But I'm like, girl, if they say that you're safe, be glad that you're here for the next mm-hmm. week and keep doing what you're doing until they tell you otherwise. The fact that she's harboring on this so much i'm like take it down a notch be glad that you're still in the competition just know that you're doing something right but honey they ain't got time to talk to you right now so just keep doing you until they tell you not to yeah and last thoughts on daya honestly one such a cute boy oh my god i have such a crush on yeah. daya. and then also two mm-hmm. i i didn't really see the comparisons to crystal method her drag mother until they did the side by side and i was yeah. like it's oh intense. sis like you gotta fix this yeah. up but let's talk about untucked right because Ooh. you know the girls are in the bottom we have maddie morphosis and we have jasmine kennedy in the bottom here is a moment where things got a little heated Oh, I hope you give the second best lip sync of the night. Because, like, I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to do, like, what I have already done to send somebody else home. You are not there. It is my runway. It is yeah. my lip sync. And I'm staying in this competition. Good luck. I'm not going home tonight. Get the stray off the TV. I don't want to see that in the words of Tyra Banks. Um, Tony Moore, what got into the Maddie Morphosis? 
see, I I think Maddie was just coming from a a, a place of like, you know, listen, I'm going to go out there and tear it up. Like, I don't think she was being shady like we normally would, but it was taken in a shady kind of way. Like, oh, you're trying to come for, for me like, like if, as if I'm Jasmine. I think basically Maddie was like, listen, I'm going to do what I need to do in order to stay in this into this competition. No tea towards you. You go out there and do you, but I done been here, done that. And like, you know, I'm, I'm claiming this. I'm claiming this, this win. But all the girls were like, probably taking aback that little straight boy who's kind of been a little timid, you know, a little bit with certain things has now kind of stepped up and said, and said, Hey, I'm about to go do this. I'm about to take this because I've already sent one girl packing and I'm about to do it again. Yeah. I mean, she really did try to come for it, but also Jasmine was sort of not really um, having it. She didn't really back down. I was kind of surprised. I'm going to destroy you in this lipstick. It's not a problem. Okay. And if you want to sit there and feel that way, that's fine. I'll just watch you scurry along and dash it away. Have your moment. Keep talking. You're talking a lot more than me, you know, because I'm well, usually the one talking the whole time. Yes, it is. This is your moment. Have it. Go ahead. The stage is here. Please. Please. Here's the thing. Any moment that has me on the same side as Jasmine Kennedy, I <laughs> have to stop. Well, because Maddie was not, like, I don't know what anxious energy that Maddie was giving, but she was coming for Jasmine. And it was just really odd. It felt, honestly, like this this fight was, like, forced. Because, like we said, Cornbread is gone, and there's really no drama. Mm-hmm. And I do feel yeah. like we have to think about how the, the things play all together. And I don't know. Maddie did go home. Um, because when uh, Sugar Mama, uh, Beyonce Ooh. was the the song, which honestly, so thankful that Beyonce's Sugar Mama is now a drag song that yeah, we love all that. will I mean, see. We, we've been waiting we've at been the waiting. drag brunches. Right. Um, right. But literally, it was time for Maddie to go, even though I would have loved to see a Maddie snatch game. I think Maddie is mm-hmm. hilarious, mm-hmm. and it would have been nice yeah. to see a snatch game. What do you think? Who are your now, your tops and your bottoms now that, you know, the straight is gone? Well, first of all, being the Beyonce of WeHo, I must have to commend uh, World of Wonder for um, being able to snag a Beyonce song because I know that wasn't cheap. Um, but, um, I also I also would say this about the lip sync: like Maddie did go home, but like if you're if you're lip singing to Beyonce's Sugar Mama, you have to have like that femininity, mm-hmm. that feminine quality to really like give that sort of sensuality, but that control and confidence. And like Maddie didn't have that. And that's why she went home. Um, I'm still, as far as like who's, who my tops are, Angeria mm. is like yes. up there. Like the Absolutely. fact that she turned that drape and that and that fan into like she was giving me dynasty you know 2022 like diane carroll like the champagne is burned she should have like she was she should have she really should have but i have to give it up to to georgia too because she was in the bottom last week and i was a little worried about her but she's got it together i think she's finding her groove and so i think she's still doing good and also still bosco i still have my my eye on bosco as well like i think you really are team bosco you have been from the start well last last week turned it for me and now and then also this week i'm sorry but lady camden looked absolutely Stunning mm-hmm. on the runway. She got that lip together. Well, Tony D. Moore, thank you so much for joining us for our recap. We always appreciate you. Always. It's always good to kiki. Okay, so we got more show coming up next. And, honey, we're talking work romances. And even though we're working from home, are they taboo? I don't know. Let's talk about it coming up next. Oh, workplace Excellent. romances. Job, the job, office job. is a perfect one for this. <laughs> 
producer Justin just knows what he's doing over there. But let's talk about this because work romances have always been a little bit, you know, taboo. But does that change if you are working remotely? You know, that forbidden love. Mm. I mean, honestly. What do you think about this? What, do you, what? Well, let's start from here. What are your What are your thoughts about workplace rom, uh, romances when you're in person working together? And then we can, if it changes, we can talk about the remote remote of it all. I think there's there are some very specific things that matter in terms of uh, what you do and how much you work with that person. So if this is a, a scenario where this is someone that's on your team, there's an interesting power dynamic where this person might report to you or you report to that person, you are on the same group, like you're working on this project together every day, that sort of thing, that can be really, really problematic and unfortunate in a lot of different ways. I think where we get into trouble is saying, okay, you work for you know a top 50 corporate company and one of you happens to work in you know Nacogdoches, Texas, and the other one of you lives and works in Seattle and you ain't got nothing to do with each other, but you yeah. both work for Coca-Cola or whatever, right? Yeah. Well, just you know, in that sense, fine. Just because you both work for the same company doesn't mean that you can't have some sort of romance going on. But I, so I think there needs to be some sort of scenario specifics, you know, wiggle room in the yeah. rules, if you will. Because a lot of times, how else are people finding love? People are spending 10, 12 hours that's a day a, on yes. Zoom. And that's that's something that I, I kind of uh, think about, even though, like, you know, the latest scandal was that Jeff Zucker and his situation where that him and that woman were dating. And apparently it was like the the not talked about office secret, but everyone knew. Everybody knew, right. But, um, you know, we saw how that kind of went up in flames. But I, I do feel like the pandemic has, it makes you, it, I mean, for me anyway, it made you, it made me connect to people that you probably didn't think you were going to connect with in sure. ways. And I could see that possibly happening over like multiple Zoom calls or Zoom one-on-ones mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, wow, I kind of like this person. this person. And now that we're here and things are, people are going back to work, but still are remote. You just never know what can really happen. I'm a, I'm a type of person that I don't want to to you know poop where I eat mm, you know mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not, I don't want to see you like if I'm dating you I don't want to see you working here at the same place right. and then I'm like no I can't do that and then you know if it doesn't work out it can get very awkward super and super so awkward. Th- there's just so many layers for this but I do think back in the day this is how people would meet through work and I, I mean as long as it's consensual and they're two adults and you take like if you decide you're actually dating don't you got to go to hr and figure all that out like that's just like the thing and so why not well and i think there should be some more you know why not i think is that a lot of times people don't understand what the rules are when they do go to hr and mm. i think there could really be some transparency on the on the part of these companies to let folks know you're not going to lose your job we're not going to fire you yeah. because you're dating because you followed the rules and came to us. But people don't know. Yeah. And so people are like, well, I'm that not going to go tell HR that we're dating because what if one of us loses our job, right? And well, no one's trying pe- to lose their job. But doesn't that speak to the idea of like our HR? A lot of people have trust issues when it comes to HR. Yeah. Like a lot of times Hello. HR, it feels like HR is just like there for the company. They are not there for you. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. anything that you try to combine and then they'll make you feel like it's good. But like, honey, they think they, really they're stabbing you in the back. Yep. And so so, you know, I understand why that, you know, this whole thing of like not going to HR because they don't uh, they don't know if this is someone they, they can trust. And that speaks to a culture that that company has kind of created big time. And and people are really fearful of that, particularly, you know, we talked a lot about love today on Valentine's Day. Maybe you actually find someone that you're vibing with that you really 
connect with. Yeah. And you're like, actually, we're in a really great place right now. We're not on the same team. We don't have any sort of power dynamic reporting structure relationship. Yeah. I maybe actually want to kick it with this person. And so you're like, really? I can't even ask them for coffee before I got to go talk to Sheila in HR. Yeah. And Sheila's going to be like, well, you can have coffee with them if you want, but you're going to lose your job. Well, here's an interesting thing. According <laughs> to Johnny Taylor Jr., the CEO of the Society for Human Resource Management, a 2021 survey conducted by his organization found that 25% of U.S. workers either initiated a workplace romance during the pandemic or continued one that they were already in. And with people still working from home, he said that the number is probably higher now. He said, think about it. There are fewer constraints and monitoring behavior is harder to do when everyone is so wildly dispersed. I really, I find this super fascinating. It, yeah. it really is something else. And they do get actually give some tips about if you are thinking about broaching that topic with someone that you work with, think ahead. Think about what you think the ideal outcome would be. Don't yeah. be impulsive in it. Do your homework before you maybe even ask them out or even go to HR. See if this person is actually single. Right? True. You know? Like- and just don't be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, are you anti-Valentine? I mean, honestly, I got to speak up for us out here because everyone loves it. It's the spirit of love. We get it. We get it. We get it. But if you're anti-Valentines but still want to practice some Mm self-love, we got to talk about how you can do it. And... I just wonder, what is your relationship to Valentine's? I mean, I know you have a full-on husband and, like, partner. Right, right, right. And um, I'm not jealous. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) I'm fine. Okay? But... Oh, you know, um, that what? was the cutest ever, by the way. I wish I were in studio right now. I could have seen Ryan's face because it was pretty it was pretty oh. fantastic. No, I, you know, I'm actually never really been a big fan of Valentine's Day. I think it sets a lot of people up for a lot of unnecessary heartache. Kind of like I have been going on and on about uh, about the rom com fixation, rom com fixation. Yeah, I mean, it's love. A something, something there. Yeah. Right. Check out the podcast if you missed it. The, um, <laughs> like this sets us up for these unrealistic expectations. Expectations about mm-hmm. what love is and yeah. what true love really means. It's just commercialized. And it's to it get is. you to buy candy. And if you don't buy the candy and it the gets. flowers and the vuclicot and all the fancy things of Dom Perignon on Valentine's Day, yeah. it says people are like, you you don't love me as much. So what I love about this though is that we those of those folks who are single on Valentine's Day and even folks who are not single on Valentine's Day. My husband is right now doing some self-care things. See, I love that. And you know, that's what I did yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I booked a last-minute massage mm. and, and just like a self-care moment. Like I told you all, I got my back waxed. And even though you probably didn't want to know that, but I told you and I told you again. Smooth as a baby's um, bottom. It's so good. Oh my God, I love feeling my back. Um, but no, I, that was something that I felt like I really wanted to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like oftentimes, it, it's it, it's hard to really talk yourself into doing it. But Valentine's Day just feels like who cares how much it is? I'm gonna do it for myself. Yep. So what is like some like some special self care things that you like to do for yourself? So I, I'm very into massages for okay. sure, like uh-huh. like you have been. I think one of the the best self care things that I've been trying to do for myself lately is to put the electronics away mm. and actually allow myself like if I'm just gonna sit and binge something that I really want to watch. Let's yeah. say I'm just doing that some couch time, couch time without my phone. I, it mm. is amazing how. 
It's almost that first ten or fifteen minutes without your phone is really hard. Are you just sitting on the couch with like nothing else happening, or sitting is it... on the, no, and maybe watching something oh, on Netflix okay, okay, or okay. HBO Max like or whatever. Just sitting in silence, right, right. <laughs> or just sitting. Hey, which is great. You know, other people call that meditation. meditation. <laughs> oh yeah. But for you know, sure. I, I'm into the Gilded Age lately, right? Like I'm loving that show, and I'm like every time the Gilded Age comes on, I'm going to watch this without having my phone next to me. <sighs> and isn't it something that we're in this place in society right now, where like the best things we can do for ourselves, self care wise is literally just like unplug i mean no i honestly the gilded age is my self-care that is like one of the it's, best shows ever it's so good um but no i think that's really interesting uh producer justin i'm putting you on the spot yes you're here on valentine's day mm-hmm. what are you doing for your wife um i have right now sitting in my car a whole bunch of ferrero rochers because she oh, loves those. The what? Aww. The Ferrero Rochers, the hazelnut candies. Oh, I thought that was a flower. You know, I'm not a plant person. Well, so I do, I don't know I do have I'm... a dozen roses also there Aww. sitting in water in my cup holder. If I ever get a man, don't ever, don't ever give me flowers. <gasps> I will kill them. Right? And I also don't think they smell good. Like, I, mean, I don't know what they smell like. She they're enjoys them, so the, the, oh, that's the biggest sweet. thing. Like, look at me making this about me. I asked you a question. What is she doing for you, producer Justin? Do you know? She is, you know, taking care of our beautiful son right now <laughs> working so oh, that's okay. putting a roof over her producer so Jess is like I'm a simple that's man that's all I need yep. right a very, a very simple man I love that for everyone and honestly I mean just because I'm single right now does not mean I'm not dating oh mm. and I you know and the only thing is around when you're dating newly dating someone you just don't know if you want to make it like a whole Valentine's Day expectations thing. and so right. I'm actually okay with it I think this was the moment for self care for myself mm-hmm. and then you know if I get my bo- my back blown out one day then I'll just count it as a, <laughs> uh, a Valentine's Happy Day Valentine's gift. Day <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for my favorite part of the show. It's time for the Yes Queen. Yes Queen. How meta is that? <laughs> Such a moment, too. I was like, what's going on in here? It's been, a, it's been a fabulously long and wonderful show, but I was like, oh my gosh, now I'm hearing things. You know, just hearing my voice and other times, I'm sorry to everyone who cringed. Um, well, in efforts to honor the 50th anniversary of Title IX and uh, equality across sports, uh, seemingly like kind of woven into the uh, Super Bowl's opening ceremonies, a distinguished and honored guest was on hand to flip the ceremonial pre-game coin, which honestly, I did not even know they flipped a coin for this. Um, tennis legend Billie Jean King, mm. a Long Beach, California native, was an obvious choice for the honor in more ways than one at her hometown Super Bowl. Um, held Sunday, of course, at the SoFi Stadium. Uh, King was joined on the field by four football players from the Riverside California School for the Deaf and female football players from local youth and high school leagues. She said this in a statement. It is an honor to stand with these outstanding student athletes and celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX on one of the world's biggest stages. It's hard to toss uh, to understand uh, inclusion until you have been excluded, and I'm proud to be part of this year's Super Bowl's coin toss and the NFL's commitment to bring us together and make us stronger. Tears. I, I literally Obsessed, had right? tears when this was going on. Just. Because I know, so we talked about the NFL being sort of performative in, in many different ways, but, and this, maybe this was too, but also like Billie Jean King has done so much yeah. for uh, women in sports and in general and the entire LGBTQ plus uh, community. And I just, I was so moved that we were celebrating this woman uh, coming out here doing this at the most, you know, hyper masculine, the biggest sporting event in the world and all yeah. this stuff. And people like local LA was like really behind yeah. her out there doing this. The players were appreciative of her. I just, it was so incredible. It was awesome. What a moment. And honey, she always deserves our what? Yeah.
Yes, queen. Thank you, Ryan. You're so good at that. Um, So... Thank you. As we wrap up the show here, thank you to Dr. James for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. You are absolutely wonderful, oh, as thank always. Thank you, Because you make it easy, honey. You make it so fun <laughs> to be here with you. And just, thank you. Just kiki for the last, you know, 10 hours. Well, how, how about you here? tell Shira that, who will be back tomorrow? <laughs> uh, and now, of course, if you miss him the show, um, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to find our full podcast. Just search Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. And, of course, after this, stay tuned for Love Line, where Dr. Chris is talking V-Day ideas and living that single life. Honey, remember to slay and we will see y'all tomorrow. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 